0: No, but thank you guys for having me here, um, and um, I, I just have some thoughts about the times that we're going through right now, um, and I'm not here to make any political statements or anything like that, but I think I want to talk about our internal experience, um, and what God has to say about pain and loss in our lives. Um, And so we're going to explore this idea of pain and loss and suffering, Uh, if you'll turn with me to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. And before we get started, um, I just wanted to say something about what we're experiencing during these times. Um, Some of us may be experiencing an immense amount of fear or anxiety or stress. Some of us may be experiencing um, illness, or sickness, disease. Um, We may have experienced or know someone who is experiencing um, these things. Maybe we're experiencing financial uncertainty. Maybe we have or know someone who's lost a job. And I think regardless, I think for myself, And the people that I've talked to, some people have experienced some very distressful things. But also, I've heard that we've also experienced some good things. Maybe spending more time with family, being closer during this time. But I think regardless, we have all experienced change. All of us, during this time. And when we experience change, we experience loss. We have all lost something during this time. And when we experience loss, we grieve, if we allow ourselves to grieve. And when we experience grief, we experience pain. And pain connects us to reality. The reality of what's going on with us internally, the reality of the state of this world, and the reality that we have a God that loves us. But our hearts are wrestling right now with this reality. And so I want to talk a little bit about how our pain can connect us to reality and to God. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about pain and loss, and I'm going to try to tackle um, an age-old question that theologians and, and just human beings from the beginning of time probably have tried to answer is why is there pain and suffering? I'm going to try to do it in a very short period of time. So I ask for your, your patience um, and understanding, but we're going to talk about this question and then we're going to go into very practical, tangible, um, healthy ways that we can navigate pain and loss in our lives as well. And we're going to use the psalmist in Psalm, 20, sorry, Psalm 42 in order to do that. Um, but before we jump in, um, join me in prayer. Father... God, we thank you for the sweet worship this morning. Thank you for reminding us of your goodness, especially in these times. God, we thank you that you are a relational God. That you desire to connect with us and to bond with us and desire an intimate Connection. And so we just ask that you are here, we ask for your plea for your presence, we ask that you open our hearts and our minds to what you have to share with us today, um, and God we just declare our love for you, during this time, we love you, in Jesus' name, amen. So first we're going to, let's read through Psalm 42, but join me. And I uh, go to that next slide for me. Uh, yeah. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While well, they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help of his presence. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me, therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan, the peaks of Hermon from Mount Bazar. Deep calls to deep, at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to the of God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O oh my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help me. Of my countenance my countenance. So, you can go to the next slide. I think it's important before we get started um, to really understand the Psalms. And, and a lot of you already may know, um, but I, I had a really um, uh, good time just understanding what the Psalms are. And I wanted to share that because I believe it's related to what we're talking about. And the psalms um, are poems. And uh, there's a, uh, a great professor at a local school here at ETS, uh, Dr. Ronald Allen, um, who has a good book, and God shall praise him. And it's all about the psalms. And he defines the psalm as a poem that is sung as an expression of praise to God. I actually added in a little worship and lament as well, and poems are saturated with emotion, pain, joy, um, and poems really connect us with the depth of our being. Um, they connect us to the the deep realities that we experience. Internally and also externally in our world. And so, uh, one of my favorite authors, Dan Allender, has a book called Cry of the Soul, and he talks about this. And he says, The songs are saturated with emotions, and emotions are the language and the cry of the soul. They expose what we're doing with the sorrow of life, and in turn reveal what our heart is doing with God. And so, I think what he's saying is, our emotions, if we give appropriate space and time to our emotions can actually reveal to us and to others what are we doing with God and this idea of God in our lives do we believe that he's real do we believe that he's real do we believe that he's good, that he's present um, it reveals these questions um, and the psalmist gives us a window into his own wrestle and struggle with these questions so first let's define if we can go to the next slide let's define this word soul um, because it is used very frequently in this psalm actually six times in the eleven verses we hear the word soul and um, you know we often hear um, that we have a mind, we have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. Right? And so um, the word soul was actually used 139 times in the Psalms. And that is saying something. Right? I think they're trying to, the authors are trying to tell us something through this. So the Hebrew term, nephesh," and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, so I apologize if I'm not is used in various forms um, in the Psalms and the Greek form psuche is actually the, the term we use for uh, the modern word of psychology so we derive it from this word and so the soul we can define as our inner core inner emotions and appetites and processes and will and thoughts Um, and we can think about it like our personality these enduring traits that we each uniquely have and so we see in Psalm 42 as we read that the psalmist is having a conversation with God and himself internally so before we um talk about this idea of pain and loss I want to talk a little bit about um, what is the psalmist going through right now he seems to be going through um, a lot of problems a lot of problems and I think we'll be able to relate um, to some of these so if you join me um, starting in verse 1 if we can go to the next slide um, we see that he's having a spiritual problem uh, verse 1 and I'm going to be skipping around a little bit here So hopefully hopefully You're going to follow along with me We'll see in verse 1 and verse 9 That the psalmist is experiencing Separation from God In different ways So we see in verse 1 As the deer pants for the water books So my soul pants for you, O God Verse 2 My soul thirsts for God For the living God Right? He's thirsting, he's panting because he doesn't have God and his presence in his life. Um, We see in verse 9, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? He is not experiencing that connection um, that he so longs for and desires. Verse 5 and 11, we see towards the end of the verses, hoping God, for I shall again praise him. He's not saying... I'm praising him and praising him in that moment. He says, at some point, I will praise him again. Right. So for some reason, he's not able to praise him in this experience that he's having. There's some kind of barrier between him and God. And then finally, verse 7, he says, all your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. He's saying, so there's this idea that God himself has some kind of involvement in these experiences, and I'm being overwhelmed. And he's just uh, expressing this um, out loud. So there's a spiritual issue. But then there's also physical issues that he's having. It says in verse 3, My tears have been my food, day and night. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of liberty here with this verse. Um, it makes some assumptions, but from what I can tell, he's not eating, right? He's he's actually feeding on his tears, and he's not sleeping, right? Because he's, he's busy crying during the night. And so we see that he's not even able to take care of his own basic necessities and engaging in basic self-care. Um, so something's going on physically, which... These symptoms are actually indicative of, or at least some of the symptoms of clinical depression um, as well. We also see external issues and problems. Um, He's got some problems with some people who mean to harm him, right? And um, we have a lot of things, David alluded to um, social issues right now and we have people who experienced generational oppression and injustice and um, we see here in, the, in Psalm 42 the psalmist is experiencing as you see here in verse 9 why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy um, he's being taunted verse 3 while they say to me all day long, where is your God? So in his environment surrounding him, he has a problem. He has issues as well. Now let's turn to internal emotional and psychological problems as well. This, this dude's got problems. Um, verse 4, he says, These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. I was reading this and I was like, guys, I was like, what? What? What is he saying here is pouring out his soul inside of him? Um, and, and actually, in the book of Job, Job says this very same phrase. Um, I pour out my soul within me. And it's very clear. It's actually chapter 30, verse 16. He says this verse. And it's very closely linked to mourning. A deep deep mourning and grief and we see that here in verse 9 he says even says that he's mourning and so he's experiencing deep sorrow um, verse 5 he even says why are you in despair oh my soul why are you disturbed so this man is suffering he is disturbed something is happening And we see many things happening um, that are causing these internal issues. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says that this man, Martin Lloyd-Jones is actually a um, pastor and theologian, uh, a late pastor and theologian, and also previously was a medical doctor. And so he has a book called Spiritual Depression, and he writes about this psalm. Um, And I highly recommend the book. Um, But he describes the psalmist as experiencing spiritual depression as well. And then finally, relationally, we talked about this that he has people, the psalmist has people that are wishing to harm him. But he also makes mention of the fact that he doesn't have anybody that he can trust or feel safe with around him. He's remembering when he used to go along with God's people and praise and worship God, but he's not there right now. And there is no mention of family and friends at all. No mention of someone safe. And so I make up that he is lonely, that he's desiring deeply connection, not only with God, but with other people as well. So we see spiritual, physical, environmental, Uh, emotional, psychological, and relational problems that this person is dealing with, and how much of maybe one of these, or more of these can we relate to right now? Are you experiencing spiritual problems? Is it hard for you to see God in our circumstances during this time? Are you experiencing physical issues, or relational issues, with loved ones? Um, I think all of us can relate to this and uh, a little funny thing about, well I think for a lot of us, but I, I'll keep it focus on myself, I want to escape, that's, I think from a very early age, that's how I dealt with my problems. Um, I learned how to get outside of reality and help myself to feel better and that's how I dealt with unpleasant, difficult, painful experiences and emotions, um, and I was, I was uh, kind of thinking about, okay, what would be a, a good example to um, describe this, and all I really think about was our dog, um, and it came to my mind, we have a little dog, um, a little mini golden doodle, his name is Elam, and um, we have Heather and I, my wife's here, we have three kids, Grace, seven years old, Zoe, she's five years old, and Joshua, he's three years old. And so we got this dog, and we're excited, the kids are excited, and he was really dirty, you know, when we got him, and so we wanted to um, give him a bath. And I don't know how many of you have pets and have a dog, but they hate bats. Hate it. In fact, I think it's traumatizing for them so and i think that's what happened to, to our little girl, like, you know. Um and he has many nicknames by the way um, uh, my wife heather likes to call him teddy um, our kids like to call him mr fluffy pants <laughs> um, i like to call him chewy or chewbacca um, i'm a star wars fan but anyway, so we're bringing him to go take a bath and as soon as he sees the, the tub he starts flailing around and he hears the water running and so we try to gently just calm him down, help him know he's safe. We put him in the bath, and he just starts, pardon my language, he just starts freaking out. Uh, he's flailing, he's falling and slipping because the bathtub is slippery. And we're trying to be gentle with it, but hold him down while we give him a bath. And somehow he jumps out and gets out of the bathtub and beelines it for the door. And he actually makes it out of the door and into our backyard. And we chase after him. And he's just rubbing, he gets into this patch of dirt and just starts rubbing into the dirt, (laughs) right? And and in fact, he's all wet. So he he actually starts to create mud. And there's this mud everywhere and he starts to get really filthy. Um, And I thought about this and I'm like, "That's, that's me. That's me. Whenever I experience unpleasant, difficult situations and emotions. I want to run away. And in fact, I don't want to just escape. My tendency is to then go to unhealthy ways of dealing with painful, hurtful emotion. Um, and so, I don't mean to compare us all to a dog, but um, I, I think for me, <laughs> that's, what, that's what my tendency is. And so, Instead of escaping, we have a picture here um, of the psalmist and how he deals with these painful circumstances. But before we get to those um, very tangible ways of how he deals with it, I want to talk a little bit about, about pain and loss here. So you can go to the next slide, please. So, and this is the main the main. of what I'm trying to communicate today is that God wants to connect with us in our pain reveal more of his character of who he is and transform us and others according to his good purposes through our pain and how we respond to pain rather than necessarily changing our circumstances so let's explore this a little bit more um, if we look at Psalm 42, if you look with me look down in verse 11 he says why are you in despair of my soul and why have you become disturbed within me hoping God for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God do you notice how it ends it doesn't end with him being healed it doesn't end with God removing or changing his circumstances, he's still hurting. He still can't praise God. And so why would this end? Why would there not be a happy ending here? And I think there's a lesson in this, that God has multiple purposes through difficult times. C.S. Lewis, also another favorite author of mine, talks about pain. In his book, The Problem of Pain, he says, Pain shatters the illusion that all is well. Isn't that the truth during these times that um, our sense of self-sufficiency and self-control, stability in our world, predictability, um, has been really shattered during this time. And pain can tear this illusion away. And remove this illusion away from us. And he says that What we have, whether good or bad in itself, is our own and enough for us. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So, not only does God want to reach out and connect to us in our reality in our world, but He also wants to suffer and experience our pain with us. So we have a God that is well acquainted with suffering and pain and death. Um, Isaiah 53, if you would turn with me. We see the suffering servant um, in this chapter in verse 3 through 5. You see, he was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, stricken and afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was scourged. In a scourging, we are healed by his wounds. And so we see how much our Lord has experienced human pain and suffering himself. And so we have a God that not only suffered for us, but wants to suffer with us and connect with us in our pain and suffering so if you go to the next slide Um, Jesus himself experienced this as we know in Matthew 26 in the night leading up to Jesus' crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane he says to his three closest disciples, he says my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. And then in Matthew 27, the next chapter, as he's being crucified he cries out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now he's Jesus. He's the son of God but he's also a man. And I think he knows that God is not forsaking him. I think he knows he knows the plan, right? So why is he crying out and asking a question? Just like the psalmist asked the question, "Why have you forgotten me?" And I think too, for two reasons. One is that he's pointing us back to the scriptures, right? Psalm 22, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" He's, for, he's, he's pointing us to and saying, "I am." What has been foretold I am the savior Right But also he's a man experiencing Immense pain And anguish In that moment And I believe he's crying out In that pain But he's moving towards God In his pain He's connecting with God In his pain During this time Um, and so we have a God that wants to not only uh, have our good in mind, but we have a God who wants to be with us in our pain. Um, I think all of us as human beings, we want someone to bear witness to our pain, not just to fix it. Um, you know, I, I, in my years... With my wife Heather, we've been married for um, 12 years now. Um, there are times when she wants to share something with me, and something maybe she's really disappointed or discouraged about. And as she starts telling me telling me something that's that's wrong, I start thinking about solutions. How do I fix this? How do I think I see some I see some laughter. Um, and she says, hey, "Hey, hey, I just want you to be here with me." Listen. And I don't really know how to do that, so I, I, I try for a few seconds and then, you know, I go back to fixing again. But um, I think we all want someone to listen. I think God wants to listen and to hear us and to understand the pain that we're experiencing and to validate the suffering that we may be going through, especially right now during these times. Also, God wants to reveal his character in our pain, another purpose that he has. Um, God reveals himself and his character through our circumstances, our experiences, and our emotions, um, as we were talking about earlier. Again, um, Dan Allender, the author, says, In the darkness of our emotional wrestling with God, we grow in our understanding of him. When he does not respond to us as we expect or want, we learn about his surprising character. We attack him with anger, but we do not receive his judgment in return. We plead desperately for him to save us from terror, but he does not necessarily rescue us with immediate resolution of our circumstances. How many times have each of us thought of God or gone to God, asking for him for relief? change of our circumstances and he doesn't answer what do we do with those tongues? and I think, I think this is where our hearts and our minds are revealed of what we are doing with God but he says he goes on he says in the most peculiar fashion he chooses to reveal his perfect heart by analogy with human emotion that is stained with depravity If we are to comprehend more richly the heart of God, it is imperative that we seek to understand our internal world. So he created us to know him. He wants us to get to know him better. Um, One of the most amazing prayers that Jesus prays is in John 17. John 17, 3 says... Now in this now, this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you sent. That's the purpose, is for us to know him. That's eternal life. And so he's created us for a relationship to connect with him, and we can do that even through our pain, and also to get to know him better. Finally, though. He doesn't want to leave us there He wants to transform us Internally and others And this world as well And so we see that Let's start with first internally This work that he wants to do Um, In Jeremiah 31 Verse 33 and 34 God is talking about The transformative work That he is going to do Through his son Jesus Christ but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart, and I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. And the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. There's a deep cleansing at the fiber of our being and soul and spirit that he wants to do Um, and so God wants to transform us not only if we don't know Jesus um, and that he wants to be with us for our entire lives um, for eternity but he also wants to transform us to be more like Christ more and more. John Stott, a theologian, writes, Suffering is a part of God's process of making us like Christ. Whether it is a disappointment or a frustration, we need to try to see it in light of Romans 8.28-29. through 29. And I remember David earlier um, mentioning this verse um, in his testimony. According to Romans 8.28, God is always working for the good purpose of his people and according to Romans eight twenty nine, 29, he says, This good purpose is to make us like Christ. And God's way is to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And so he's wanting to transform us through this intimacy and this relationship with God. And Paul understood this in uh, Philippians 3. He says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead and so Paul understood that there is there's this deep fellowship in suffering that we can all experience but also transformation um, of our souls but also our character um, and our personalities being conformed to be more like our Lord and then externally What is God doing? Um, God is inviting us to participate with him in helping to transform other people as well. Kevin mentioned um, in his testimony, he said um, that we need to be aware of our sphere of influence in our lives. And people are watching during this time and how we grieve and how we experience pain and our response to this is a testimony to the world during this time and he desires to um, affect change and hearts through us and our response to pain and so in in John 17 coming back and we're going to jump to practical, tangible ways to navigate pain Um, in John 17 if you turn with me starting in verse 15 I think Jesus' prayer um, describes this and exemplifies what we're talking about. John 17, verse 15 through 21, he says, and he's praying to the Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for also those also who believe in me through their word, us. He's talking about us and he's praying for us. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me so he's praying don't take them out of the world they're going to be in the world they're going to experience pain in the reality of this world but we need connection he's saying we need connection we have connection that is the picture of God's love and that is what will help to transform people's lives and finally, in, in Revelation, God wants to change this whole world. He wants to transform this, this suffering that we all experience. Not just this year. All this year has been nuts. Um, the reality is, is that we experience pain and suffering all the time and in our lives. We have glimpses and moments of joy. Right? that are just foretastes of um, heaven and what God has for us in the next life. But um, the reality is, is that we live in a sinful, fallen world under attacked tapestry Satan. he wants to transform it. In fact, in, in Revelation 21, um, God said, uh, uh, Jesus says, I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He wants to transform this world and give us a new heaven and a new earth as well. And so that brings us back to Psalm 42 where we see the psalmist thirsting for God. So just to summarize this part of the purpose, what is this purpose for pain um, and just one way of looking at it, um, I really believe that verse 5 in Psalm 42 really sums up um, the point of, of this psalm. In verse 5, he says, the psalmist, Why are you in despair of my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him and listen to this, for the help of his presence. He's not saying take me out of my circumstances. He's not saying change this person or that person or this world he's saying for the help of you with me that's what he's crying out for and that's what I believe and I encourage all of us to be doing during this time, not to ignore what's happening in our world um, not to try to affect change in our world, but first we need to be connected to him and his purpose his purpose for us so let's let's move on now to practical, tangible okay, there's all this theory that we're talking about, and I love the theory, but ultimately God is a relational God and so let's talk a little bit about if we go to the next slide the um, next one, sorry um, let's talk a little bit about the psalmist's response, so he has all these problems going on, how is he dealing with it, What's what, what's happening here, so First, we're gonna, um, I'm going to divide this up into three parts. One, relationship with God. Two, relationship with self. And then three, relationship with others. And so let's, un- let's unpack this a little bit. So going back to Psalm 42 again, verse 1 and 6, we see the psalmist making what I like to call a bid for connection. A bid for connection. He's crying out to God. He may, not, he may be separated from God and not feel His presence, but he's crying out to Him. So my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Verse 6, Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. He's making these declarations and these observations and crying out to Him. Verse 6, um, He remembers God. Therefore I remember you from the land of um, let me see therefore I remember you from the land of the Jorah and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Bazar and so another thing he's doing is remembering him in his pain he's also demonstrating a right perspective here um, from my perspective it's a right perspective he said in verse 7 all your breakers and your waves have rolled over me now if you remember he's talking about being taunted and oppressed by people uh, reviled by people but yet he's saying your ways and your breakers are rolling over me his his focus is directed on God himself and asking why are you forgetting me why are your ways overcoming me and overwhelming me and so He's directing his attention to God and wrestling with God, not his enemies, through this. Also, he questions God. And and I know I've wrestled with this in my life. Um, that, that just doesn't seem right, right? We have a sovereign God who created me and everyone else in this world that we live in. And I'm supposed to question him? That seems completely... Um, disrespectful or that I'm going to be smitten by God or um, struck down and in fact it's the opposite the psalmist is showing us in verse 9 I will say to God my rock and he's telling himself this I'm going to ask him why is he forgetting me why is he not stepping in and helping in any way and so um, this brings me to um, something that we hear Job say, um, chapter six of Job, verse twenty-six, um, and I actually stole this from uh, one of my favorite uh, speakers and pastors, John Piper. Um, John Piper talks about words for the wind, words for the wind, and so in Job six twenty-six, Job says, and in this in this um, chapter basically he's been hearing his friends who are trying to console him in his pain and his anguish and they're actually reproving him and correcting his theology and, and so Job is sitting there suffering right? and so his friends are reproving him and telling him hey something else is going on here you're not thinking about this right you're, you've got some secret sin or whatever it may be and then this is Job's response do you intend to reprove my words when the words of one in despair belong to the wind? He's in pain. He's in anguish. He's speaking from his pain. As as Piper says, he's not speaking from his soul. He's speaking from his soul. He knows God. The psalmist here knows that God has not forgotten him. But he is speaking out in pain and he is directing that pain towards God and we have a God that can handle it we have a big God we have a big God and he is not going to judge us for questioning him we have a God who is patient and passionate and long suffering um, and he wants to hear from us um, in our pain and finally he hopes that God um, he hopes in God. Can you go to the next slide. Um, in verse five of Psalm 42, we see that the psalmist tells himself, he's talking to himself. He says, Hope in God, hoping God for one day I will praise Him again. I will praise Him again." And so, brothers and sisters, are we asking for a change in our circumstances? During this time, I know I have many times. Um, I cry out for my kids to be able to go back to school um, and for things to be normal. right? Um, I cry for for so many things to go back to normal um, and my circumstances to be changed. Um, but I think this this uh, study has been very convicting for me. Um, and I believe that God is not wanting necessarily to change our circumstances, although he is in the grand scheme of things. But ultimately, maybe he's trying to change something within me and within us during this time. So now let's go to a relationship with self. We go to the next slide. So we see in um, Psalm, uh, Psalm 42, verse two through four, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. The psalmist is actually making observations. There's no judgments there. He's actually telling facts. I'm crying. Um, I have people saying the phrase, Where is your God? I'm remembering. And so the first thing that we need to remember if we want to navigate painful times is being able to listen well to what's going on internally. To listen to our thoughts, to listen to our emotions, to listen listen to our physical sensations in our body, what's going on relationally, what's going on spiritually. So I'm not saying we need to just turn inward and just camp out all the time uh, what's about you know what's going on internally? But I am saying we need to give appropriate time to have a posture of curiosity, um, a lack of judgment, and to understand what's going on internally. And so we see the psalmist doing that. Um, he also not only questions God or wants to question God, but he's also questioning himself. Um, as, we have, as we have read uh, numerous times already, he's saying to himself, "Why are you in despair?" My soul. Now, if we were to be out in the street, you know, if we hear somebody talking out loud to themselves, we think, oh my gosh, this person, this person's crazy, right? The truth is we all talk to ourselves. We all have an inner experience and a relationship with ourselves. And so it's crucial to acknowledge this and be intimately aware of this as well. And so he questions himself but he does so with compassion he's gentle, there's no self-judgment um, he is very curious what, what's going on here? why are you disturbed and in, uh, in despair? and so being able to observe and listen to ourselves internally allows us to um, to organize our inner experience so when we're as the psalmist is saying, life and the waves of life are overcoming us and we can't even make sense of those thoughts and those emotions and physically what's happening in our bodies, Um, listening and organizing, okay, these are the thoughts that I'm having right now, these are the emotions, this is what's going on physically, then I'm able to feel more empowered and have a little bit more self-control to then know, okay, so how am I gonna respond in this situation? God has created us as the only species on this earth. And please, if if you uh, research this and find find it, um, if I'm wrong in this, then please please let me know. We're the only species on this earth that can have thoughts about our thoughts. That can observe our inner experience outside of the inner experience. We can observe our emotions, our feeling or I'm excited right now. I can notice my heart beating faster because I'm anxious. So I'd like to try something real quick. Um, I, I'd like to ask all of you to participate with me to maybe practice this if you have never before. And so what I'd like is to ask all of you to sit comfortably in your seat and I'd like you to put both feet flat on the ground as well. And I'd like you to just relax your arms to your side. And you can keep your eyes open or closed. It's up to you. And I'd like you to just take a few deep breaths. And when I say breath, what I mean is breathe in to your lungs, through your lungs, and fill up your stomach like a balloon. and as you breathe deeply I'd like you to start to maybe notice not with judgment but a sense of curiosity and maybe even a posture of playfulness to not take yourself so seriously but to just notice where are my thoughts just making an observation am I thinking about work right now am I thinking am I feeling that I'm hungry and I want to eat lunch or am I feeling excited or sad just continue to take a few more deep breaths what's going on in my body right now I'm just noticing where my thoughts where your emotions go And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes. We are beings that can observe our inner experience. And this is something that God has given us as a gift to be able to do, to navigate. This is a tool and a skill that he has allowed us to have to navigate difficult and painful times. It's not going to make everything better, um, but it gives us ultimately more information to understand ourselves our, our deeply ingrained relational and communication patterns. Um, it helps us to get insight um, and develop self awareness in our lives. And then ultimately, clarity on how we're going to respond to this pain or loss that we may be experiencing. We also see that the psalmist is responding to his own questions. So he questions his soul why are you in despair? Why have you become disturbed? And then he actually then talks back to himself Right? he doesn't sit with those thoughts and believe those thoughts Right? he's not believing that God has forgotten him, although he's saying it he's noticing what he's thinking, and then he starts to preach to himself he starts to talk to himself he's observing that he's in despair and disturbed as we see in, in verse 5 and verse 11 Um, But then he says and directs his values and his beliefs with his actions and his words. He's not allowing his emotions, although he's giving appropriate space and time to his emotions um, and observing them. But then he's directing and making congruent his thoughts and his purpose and his motivations and his actions um, that follow his values and his beliefs and he's saying, hoping God for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence one day it will happen and I'm going to claw and I'm going to fight all I can to get there um, until then and then finally with all this information the psalmist can identify ultimately what he needs so instead of acting out of his pain or escaping from that pain and suffering that he's experiencing he's identified his core underlying need which is I need God I need more of him and I don't understand these circumstances, I don't know why I'm being oppressed I don't know why all this is happening to me or why I'm in pain but I need him you see in verse 5 I need the help of his presence That's my core underlying need, and He goes right for God with everything that He has. So you can go to the next slide. Um, Here are a few, as we're listening and observing, Um, these are just some examples of some patterns that we can notice. So when we're observing, you know, one thing that I do a lot to myself is I take my problems and sometimes I make it worse myself um, mm-hmm. one example that I do a lot is you see the second to last is jumping to conclusions I like to read minds when I'm in, when I'm in an argument with my wife Heather I like to think I know exactly what she's thinking right now and then I take what I think I know what she's thinking and I come to a conclusion about that and then I act upon that conclusion when in fact I have no idea what she's thinking I think I know her well Uh, sometimes I may know what she's thinking um, but ultimately I don't and so we call this a cognitive distortion a cognitive distortion and so another benefit of being able to observe and listen to ourselves is that we can notice maybe some patterns of thought that actually make things worse for us and create more problems. So before we can even deal with the, the actual problems that we have, let's make sure that we're not piling on more problems on top of that and making it worse. You go to the next slide. So as we start to come to a close, um, I want to provide um, a possible um, illustration of maybe how we experience grief and so this is one way that we may experience grief in our lives um, on one end if you see here in the illustration on one end we have our loss experience something that we have lost during this time and this is where we're grieving and where we're, we're um, maybe longing for that person or that thing or that experience that we don't have anymore. And and maybe we're just avoiding reality without this person or without this thing uh, anymore. And then, for whatever reason, our emotions or our life just throw us over into this changed life, right? So, So I'm not thinking about the loss. I'm maybe going about my everyday activities Uh, maybe I'm focused on changing something because of what's happening during these circumstances and then I'm thrust back over here again just like the psalmist is experiencing waves I think we experience the same thing we're over in loss we're over in this life this new change life back and forth back and forth but over time maybe the intensity and the frequency of bouncing back and forth of these waves coming over us start to slow down They start to happen less frequently over time. And so the key is to allow ourselves the appropriate space and time to feel the grief, to feel the pain, even though we don't want to, right? Even though we don't want to. Um, If we camp out in one place too long, then we can start to experience problems. So if I'm over here in life, that's changed, and I'm not properly grieving what's been lost, that grief will start to fester, and that may affect me in very profound ways. It may start to come out in unhealthy ways, I may start to experience depression, we call it complex, complicated grief. Um, and so it's very important to allow ourselves to grieve and to give appropriate time, but then. If we spend too much time over in grief and we isolate and we don't want to talk to anybody um, and we're not facing the reality the new reality that we're in then we can also start to experience problems as well maybe disrupted relationships or um, the same thing as as depression as well so hopefully this is um, a helpful framework uh, for us to, to know okay how do I navigate this but I think there's still thing one thing missing, if you go to the next slide, is relationship with others. And we see here that the psalmist does not have anybody safe or trustworthy on his side, right? He's talking about his enemies. He's trying to reach out to God. He's remembering uh, God's people and who he can trust, who he feels safe with, but they're not there. And yet he, ha- he definitely makes no mention of family or friends or loved ones Um, and I think that our loved ones and people that we feel safe with are crucial during this time and so if you're isolated or you're feeling lonely um, I just I plead with you to reach out to reach out during this time to someone here to people in your life because we can't do the painful realities of life by ourselves God created us as relational beings, and so we need people who are safe, who are trustworthy, um, and and we need people to support us and keep us accountable during this time as well. We all have those basic dependency needs to bond and attach with people, especially in our pain, especially in our pain. So, um, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, if you go to the next slide, I just wanted to leave um, you guys with some questions uh, to ask based upon um, what we're what we're talking about today. The first is, and and this is this is foundational: is have you placed your trust in your life in Jesus Christ? And and just as I think. Um, Kevin was sharing in his testimony um, about his friend you know we may come to church we may believe that we um, we know Jesus um, and it may very well be that all of us here do but there may be somebody out here or online that doesn't truly know Jesus and they place their trust in him and so I ask, I ask all of us where is our hope Where is our hope today? Are we placing our hope in temporary, unpredictable, unreliable people or things in our life? Um, Pastor Keith talked about um, Hebrews 13 last week and our unchanging God. And that's who we can rely upon during these difficult, painful times. Our unchanging God And he said, Keith was talking about in Hebrews 13, the author saying that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, in these circumstances, and forever. And we can rely upon that in his goodness. Um, Next, how do I deal with unpleasant and painful emotions and realities? How do I deal with that? What are my uh, tendencies and patterns in my life? Do I move away from God or do I move towards God? Um, And so, I just wanted to leave us. You see some of these questions here. um, How does God want to change or transform me during this time? Not my circumstances, but me. And what is he calling me to to do um, during this time? And so Jesus says, finally, in Matthew 11... um, Wanted to leave all of us with this. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. With me. Father, God, we acknowledge our difficult, painful circumstances right now and we see and experience the immense change and changing world and life that we're living in right now and we just cry out to you we cry out to you as the psalmist does and we ask and we plead for your presence we ask that you give us the gift and fill us with your Holy Spirit to guide us during this time, to bring comfort during this time, to give us hope during this time direct our, our actions if there are things that we need to accept and losses that we've experienced God help us to do that if there are things that we need to take action in and change God, we ask that you enable us and empower us to do that. And God, bring our attention and our focus away from the things that distract us, things that we want to escape in, and bring our focus and attention to your son, Jesus. We love you. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.